Well, it's a short but sweet edition of Mud at Night here on WEEI. we got NCAA basketball coming up here, top of the hour, 7 o'clock. But that does not mean we skip out on our buddy Tom E. Kern. He joins us here on the Harbor One Hotline, NBC Sports Boston, the Tom E. Kern Patriots Talk uh, podcast. We'll get to the Patriots, Tom, but since you're Celtics-obsessed, and basketball-obsessed. Can you just clear this up once and for all? Was that a was that a dirty play for Marcus Smart last night, diving at the ball with Steph Curry? 100,000% no. That's Steph Curry not being prepared to have somebody playing that hard next to him. And you know what really gets me about the whole thing, Mutt? Thank you for asking. Yep. Imagine if Draymond Green did that, and Ime Udoka decided to browbeat him from the sideline and the bench, then calm him over and put his hands in a little prayer stance and try and convince him as to why he was wrong. First of all, Draymond Green would start chewing on Ime's face, and then Steve Kerr would be so offended that anyone would speak to his player. We'd be still talking about it in three weeks. I mean, the, the entitlement of the Steve Kerrs and the Greg Popoviches is, 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 is to say whatever they want because there are so many in the media who backslap them for so many different things that really are not even basketball-oriented, that no one, I'm sure, is really challenging the idea that if Jeff Van Gundy or Stan Van Gundy or Tom Thibodeau did that, people would be saying, where does he get off? So where does Steve Kerr get off? Shut up. And I like Steve Kerr. Yeah, he, well, he's been empowered, though, by the media, as you said. It's, it's, we're too short of a segment to get into the reasons why. But he, he gets on his soapbox. People defend him. But I'll tell you what real quick. The thing that bothered me today, even some Celtic fans, like why, why is Marcus Smart diving around in March? Well, it's a, it's a big game on the road. That's what I want my players to do in a big spot against the Warriors. Dive around, get loose balls. Larry Bird would do that uh-huh, yeah. every night, every night. Yeah, uh, maybe if it wasn't a, a team that had something to prove to itself that it was not an imposter because little by little, incrementally, they are convincing me that they're not. And I think they're there. They might lose a seven-game series, but I'll not, I'll not say if they do lose that seven-game series at the outside of the playoffs that they were fraudulent because they have now undone not only the misery that we watched from October to December, but they've also undone the skepticism that I had when they were beating teams that were either really friggin' bad G League level, or good teams without their best players. And that happened over and over and over again. Whether it was Miami where they, you know, boat raced without Jimmy Butler and and Kyle Lowry, or whether it was no Jamal Murray for for the Nuggets, no John Collins for the Hawks. They're now, since the Memphis game, beating teams at full strength. And, you know, mostly there's a level of performance that I could expect from them. And it's mostly on the defensive end. And, again, we'll say it again, Bob Williams is the second-best player on their team. And the sooner people realize that, the happier they'll be. Well, you're one of the first people on that. Your friend Mego said something similar, so you guys share a basketball brain. And, again, there's no one uh, – There's the most underrated basketball voice in Boston is Tommy Kern. He proves it again here Whoa. tonight uh, on the show. So let's get into the Patriots because that, that's not as fun to talk about right now. Um, they made some moves here, Tom, but in this, this Ty Montgomery – uh, even Mac Wilson trade, Terrence Mitchell signing, like just feels like all the guys they've gotten are all guys that might not even make the team. Like, is that a fair sort of label of the moves they made so far early in free agency? Yeah, they're not even. They would be fringe starters, starters in a pinch. Um, you know, nobody was a bigger Traveris Cadet fan than me. Ty Montgomery is Traveris Cadet 2.0, and he'll probably do about what Traveris Cadet did, which is nothing. It's 
it's interesting to interrogate how they got here. Instead of just flailing our arms about saying, why won't they spend money? Why aren't they agreeing the cap is crap? When you really get to the root cause of why they aren't shopping at wide receiver or linebacker or edge or cornerback, it's because they spent a ridiculous amount of money last year specifically on positions like tight end, where they didn't draft year in and year out, while they knew they were trying to flush Rob Gronkowski out of their system. Indeed, even trying to trade him to Detroit in 2017. They were trying to get rid of that player, yet still didn't have a replacement in-house, which leads you to believe that they either didn't think he was that good, they thought they were that good, I, I, I don't understand it. But when you ask, well, why aren't they spending money? And we say, well, they're, they're up against the cap. And you say, other teams did it. Well, yeah, they did. But so there's the cap issue, which you may or may not believe in. But there's also the drafting issue, which causes them, because of bad luck or bad choices, to have to restock these positions, which they did last year. And they, they just, they've done a poor job of stocking the roster and all the chickens be coming home to roost. Yeah, we've talked about this ad nauseum. Like, it's funny to see the Bill Simmons of the world tweet out, oh, look at the Patriots' drafts. They're really bad. Well, no kidding, Bill. We talk about that literally every day for the past couple of years. And and the, the signings, I get it. You bring your own guys back. They have a foundation. Bill wants a certain locker room. The one I still can, can't get over a couple days later is Shaq Mason. And you tweeted out afterwards in the aftermath, like, hey, everyone calm down. There's something else afoot. Do you still feel that way, Tom? And can you justify 48 hours out the trading of maybe your best offensive lineman for a fifth-round pick? I guess here's the thing. When we talk about this stuff, and I get this a lot, you know, people say if you give an explanation, it's an, you're being an apologist or a justification. I can give an explanation, and the explanation would be that they're clearing money clearly for something, and they're going to have to spend it on somebody or something because, as Bill says all the time, it's about the players. You need good players. We don't have that many players that we can look at on this team and say, oh, that's, that's a good player with a demonstrative level of confidence in the league. If you're going to get rid of Shaq Mason, who has that? Or Kyle Van Noy, who has that? To save salary cap money? Then you're going to bring somebody in. It's not like Bill suddenly got irreparably stupid. So is it not Allen Robinson now. Is nope, it no. Melvin Ingram? I mean, Calais Campbell. It's it's wild. The only guys who are left now are 30 years plus with a resume that makes them, you know, five years ago they'd have been a hot commodity. Now, not quite as much. Well, I, I wonder, and Tommy Curran joining us here on the Harbor One Hotline, is it as simple as we're going to spend that money on Trent Brown? They sent Trent to Seattle, see what he can get. We'll either match it or reset. Do they feel like tackle's more important than a guard? Certainly could be, but doesn't that make you swallow hard a little bit to think that a guy who played nine games for the Patriots last year and 16 of 32 in his previous two years for the Raiders after getting signed to a fat contract might come back and not really perform? Because he's got one good year. He's got one good year out of five. Out of the last five, which is knee-buckling. So, yeah, that might be the plan. Again, you, and if it works out, high fives all around. But if it doesn't, yeah, you can say I told you so. Because the odds are Trent Brown will continue to be what Trent Brown has been. An oft-injured, highly effective run blocker. 
And you and you and Fourier share a brain on this. You guys have both had the same theme of the guys they have have to be better. And by I'll use the Tommy Curran quote used on TV the other night: "By osmosis, guys like Aguilar and Johnny Smith should be better." Um, here's my issue. Here's why I keep my land mine on that is I guess, but the coaches that are going to coach them up this year, I don't have faith in. Like if Josh were here, as you joked on TV, sure Josh makes them better, but. Can we have the same faith those players are better in year two in the program when Joe Judge and Matt Patricia and Nick Haley offensively are the guys holding their hand along the way here? Look, I can't help you. Look, I, I can only tell you the guys who need to be better. I can't tell you how they're going to be or why they would be. Um, I mean, and when people look at Josh McDaniels in October when he you know runs a off-tackle play on third and one from the 47th, and people lose their minds or they're in shotgun on the goal line. And they say, get them out of here. I really think they're in for that many rude awakening beginning in August and September of next year when they see just how difficult it is to wring from this Patriots collection of players effective offensive play. I mean, a few years ago, 2018, remember this, when Sony Michelle got hurt? Josh McDaniels made Cordero Patterson here to four, never a running back into a running back. Yeah. And three years later, people were talking about, wow, Cordero Patterson might be the most valuable guy in the league. Look at all he can do. That's because McDaniels kind of unearthed it. I mean, he ran college option plays to score a touchdown against the Bills in that otherwise disgusting loss at, at Foxborough. You know, down the field, they ran college option. They ran triple option. And, and got into the end zone because they're kind of overmatched. So, yeah, by I, osmosis, Jonas Smith has to be better. Um, but I don't know how much better or who's going to make him better. Uh, as far as where they are now, given the offensive line uh, loss of Mason, uh, what, what would you – give me your give me an order, top three or four positions of need, and I, I guess we'd include offensive line, linebacker, wide receiver, and cornerback. Power rank the needs right now as of March 17th. Great question. Um Offensive line, because it's so such a linchpin position into protecting the health of your most important yeah. resource. Mm-hmm. Then corner, so that you don't get your most important position in a shootout that he can't show up to. Uh, then wide receiver, and then linebacker. It's interesting. Jonathan Jones, slot corner, just tweeted out, positionless football, period. It's, it's the future. <laughs> which I kind of agree with, but why did he do that today? So look for Cam McGrone. He's my sleeper. Cam McGrone and Josh Uche. Start putting your money on those futures. Well, the other young linebackers have sort of – that's the that's the fear, right? These guys that they've drafted, guys like Chase Winovich they punted on, their development is as important as the guys we mentioned earlier in, in, in John o. Smith and Nelson Aguilar, the young guys that you're expecting more out of and try to take that step forward. Uh, give me a quick take here, Tom, on – the Buffalo Bills and what they've done. How much better are the Bills in your mind? Yeah, marginally. I mean, Vaughn Miller is obviously, you know, going to make a difference, but it's a name. Um, candidly, I, I've been paying much more attention to the Patriots than all the comings and goings in Buffalo and, you know, a little bit on the Chargers and some of the name grabbers this week. So, I mean, they're clearly a better team than the Patriots by the end of the year, mm-hmm. and they've done nothing to get worse and the Patriots have gotten worse through attrition. So, I mean, I'm kind of got my mind bent by the Patriots right now as opposed to looking around at 
the other teams. We keep doing that every night we go in. They're like, where are the Patriots in the conference? I'm like, can't see the top from where they are. Why bother? <laughs> yeah, I got them somewhere between 9 and 11 uh, as of uh, St. Patrick's Day. Last one, since it's the most important thing I think so far uh, in the off season. Any clarification, Tom? You talked to everybody down there about how the coaching staff and the process is going to work out, who's going to call the plays, who's going to run the offense. What What are they doing right now to prepare for that, given it's Mac year two and he's got to take a major leap forward this year? You know, that that's a great question, and I think it's development for the coaches in the offseason as well. And there's, as Bill would say, I don't think we have a game this week. So <laughs> we'll see how those guys respond uh, during minicamp, during training camp, and how much could and should be put on their plates. And we might never really have concrete announcements of what exactly those players are, uh, excuse me, um, what exactly those coaches' responsibilities specifically are, as we know is frequently the case. All right, we'll keep an eye. We'll see what uh, the next fringe roster player they sign will be. He's Tommy Curran joining us here on the Harbor One Hotline, NBC Sports Boston. I just saw a new uh, podcast posted, uh, Tommy Curran, Patriots Dog Podcast, on the guys that are left out there, uh, 30 and older across the board, Tom. Great stuff, buddy. Thanks. All right. See you, bud.